Chapter 28 of The Pig Brother and Other Fables and Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pig Brother and Other Fables and Stories by Laura E. Richards. The Three Remarks. There was once a princess, the most beautiful princess that ever was seen. Her hair was black and soft as the raven's wing. Her eyes were like stars dropped in a pool of clear water, and her speech like the first tinkling cascade of the baby Nile. She was also wise, graceful, and gentle, so that one would have thought she must be the happiest princess in the world. But, alas, there was one terrible drawback to her happiness. She could make only three remarks. No one knew whether it was the fault of her nurse or a peculiarity born with her, but the sad fact remained that no matter what was said to her, she could only reply in one of three phrases. The first was, What is the price of butter? The second, has your grandmother sold her mangle yet? And the third, with all my heart. You may well imagine what a great misfortune this was to a young and lively princess. How could she join in the sports and dances of the noble youths and maidens of the court? She could not always be silent. Neither could she always say, with all my heart, though this was her favorite phrase and she used it whenever she possibly could. And it was not at all pleasant when some gallant knight asked her whether she would rather play croquette or Aunt Sally to be obliged to reply, What is the price of butter? On certain occasions, however, the princess actually found her infirmity of service to her. She could always put an end, suddenly, to any conversation that did not please her by interposing with her first or second remark and they were always a very great assistance to her when as happened nearly every day she received an offer of marriage emperors kings princes dukes earls marquises viscounts baronets and many other lofty personage knelt at her feet and offered her their hands hearts and other possessions of greater or less value. But for all her suitors, the princess had but one answer. Fixing her deep radiant eyes on them, she would reply with thrilling earnestness, Has your grandmother sold her mangle yet? And this always impressed the suitors so deeply that they retired, weeping, to a neighboring monastery where they hung up their armor in the chapel, and taking the vows, passed the remainder of their lives, mostly in flogging themselves, wearing hair shirts, and putting dry toast crumbs in their beds. Now when the king found that all his best nobles were turning into monks, he was greatly displeased, and said to the princess, My daughter, it is high time that all this nonsense came to an end. The next time a respectable person asks you to marry him, you will say, with all my heart. 
for I will know the reason why. But this princess could not endure, for she had never yet seen a man whom she was willing to marry. Nevertheless, she feared her father's anger, for she knew that he always kept his word. So that very night, she slipped down the back stairs of the palace, opened the back door, and ran away out into the wide world. She wandered for many days, over mountain and moor, through fen and through forest, until she came to a fair city. Here all the bells were ringing, and the people shouting and flinging caps into the air, for their old king was dead, and they were just about to crown a new one. The new king was a stranger who had come to the town only the day before. But as soon as he heard of the old monarch's death, he told the people that he was a king himself, and as he happened to be without a kingdom at the moment, he would be quite willing to rule over them. The people joyfully assented, for the late king had left no heir, and now all the preparations had been completed. The crown had been polished up and the new tip put on the scepter, as the old king had quite spoiled it by poking the fire with it for upwards of forty years. When the people saw the beautiful princess, they welcomed her with many bows, and insisted on leading her before the new king. Who knows but that they may be related, said everybody. They both came from the same direction, and both are strangers. Accordingly, the princess was led to the marketplace, where the king was sitting in royal state. He had a fat, red, shining face, and did not look like the kings whom she had been in the habit of seeing. But nevertheless the princess made a graceful curtsy, and then waited to hear what he would say. The new king seemed rather embarrassed when he saw that it was a princess who appeared before him, but he smiled graciously and said in a smooth, oily voice, I trust your highness is quite well, and how did your highness leave you upon, ma? At these words, the princess raised her head and looked fixedly at the red-faced king, and then she replied with scornful distinctness, What is the price of butter? At these words, an alarming change came over the king's face. The red faded from it and left it a livid green. His teeth chattered, his eyes stared and rolled in their sockets, while the scepter dropped from his trembling hand and fell at the princess's feet. For the truth was, this was no king at all, but a retired butterman, who had laid by a little money at his trade and had thought of setting up a public house. But chancing to pass through the city at the very time when they were looking for a king, it struck him that he might just as well fill the vacant place as anyone else. No one had thought of his being an impostor. When the princess fixed her clear eyes on him and asked him that familiar question, which he had been in the habit of hearing many times a day for a great part of his life, the guilty butterman thought himself detected and shook in his guilty shoes. Hastily descending from his throne, he beckoned the princess into a side-chamber, and closing the door, besought her in moving terms not to betray him. Here, he said, is a bag of rubies as big as pigeons' eggs. There are six thousand of them, and I humbly beg your highness to accept them as a slight token of my esteem. 
if your highness will kindly consent to spare respectable tradesmen the disgrace of being exposed the princess reflected and came to the conclusion that after all a butterman might make as good a king as anyone else so she took the rubies with a gracious little nod and departed while all the people shouted hooray and followed her waving their hats and kerchiefs to the gates of the city with her bag of rubies over her shoulder the fair princess now pursued her journey and fared forward over heath and hill through brake and through briar after several days she came to a deep forest which she entered without hesitation for she knew no fear she had not gone a hundred paces under the arching limes when she was met by a band of robbers who stopped her and asked what she did in their forest and what she carried in her bag they were fierce black-bearded men armed to the teeth with daggers cutlasses pistols dirks hangers blunderbusses and other defensive weapons but the princess gazed calmly on them and said haughtily has your grandmother sold her mangle yet the effect was magical the robbers started back in dismay crying the countersign then they hastily lowered their weapons and assuming attitudes of abject humility besought the princess graciously to accompany them to their master's presence with a lofty gesture she signified assent and the cringing trembling bandits led her on through the forest till they reached an open glade into which the sunbeams glanced right merrily here under a broad oak tree which stood in the centre of the glade reclined a man of gigantic stature and commanding mien, with a whole armory of weapons displayed upon his person hastening to their chief the robbers conveyed to him in agitated whispers the circumstance of their meeting the princess and of her unexpected reply to their questions hardly seeming to credit their statement the gigantic chieftain sprang to his feet and advancing toward the princess with a respectful reverence begged her to repeat the remark which had so disturbed his men with a royal air and in clear and ringing tones the princess repeated has your grandmother sold her mangle yet and gazed steadfastly at the robber chief he turned deadly pale and staggered against a tree which alone prevented him from falling it is true he gasped we are undone the enemy is without doubt close at hand and all is over yet he added with more firmness and with an appealing glance at the princess yet there may be one chance left for us if this gracious lady will consent to go forward instead of returning through the wood we may yet escape with our lives noble princess and here he and the whole band assumed attitudes of supplication consider i pray you whether it would really add to your happiness to betray to the advancing army a few poor foresters who earn their bread by the sweat of their brow here he continued hastily drawing something from a hole in the oak tree is a bag containing ten thousand sapphires 
each as large as a pullet's egg. If you will graciously deign to accept them and to pursue your journey in the direction I shall indicate, the Red Chief of the Rusty Wanger will be your slave forever. The princess, who, of course, knew that there was no army in the neighborhood, and who, moreover, did not in the least care which way she went, assented to the Red Chief's proposition, and taking the bag of sapphires, bowed her farewell to the grateful robbers, and followed their leader down a ferny path which led to the farther end of the forest. When they came to the open country, the robber chieftain took his leave of the princess with profound bows and many protestations of devotion, and returned to his band, who were already preparing to plunge into the impenetrable thickets of the mid-forest. The princess, meantime, with her two bags of gems on her shoulders, fared forward with a light heart, by dale and by down, through moss and through meadow, by and by she came to a fair high palace, built all of marble and shining jasper, with smooth lawns about it, and sunny gardens of roses and gilly-flowers, from which the air blew so sweet that it was a pleasure to breathe it. The princess stood still for a moment, to taste the sweetness of this air, and to look her fill at so fair a spot, and as she stood there it chanced that the palace gates opened, and the young king rode out with his court to go a-catching of night-hawks. Now, when the king saw a right fair princess standing alone at his palace gate, her rich garments dusty and travel-stained, and two heavy sacks hung upon her shoulders, he was filled with amazement, and leaping from his steed, like the gallant knight that he was, he besought her to tell him whence she came and whither she was going, and in what way he might be of service to her. But the princess looked down at her little dusty shoes, and answered never a word, for she had seen, at the first glance, how fair and goodly a king this was, and she would not ask him the price of butter, nor whether his grandmother had sold her mangle yet. But she thought in her heart, Now I have never in all my life seen a man to whom I would so willingly say with all my heart, if he should ask me to marry him. The king marveled much at her silence, and presently repeated his questions, adding, And what do you carry so carefully in these two sacks, which seem over-heavy for your delicate shoulders? Still holding her eyes downcast, the princess took a ruby from one bag and a sapphire from the other, and in silence handed them to the king, for she willed that he should know she was no beggar, even though her shoes were dusty. Thereat all the nobles were filled with amazement, for no such gems had ever been seen in that country. But the king looked steadfastly at the princess, and said, Rubies are fine, and sapphires are fair, but, maiden, if I could but see those eyes of yours, I warrant that the gems would look pale and dull beside them. At that the princess raised her clear dark eyes and looked at the king and smiled, and the glance of her eyes pierced straight to his heart, so that he fell on his knees and cried, 
Ah, sweet princess, now do I know thou art the love for whom I have waited so long, and whom I have sought through so many lands. Give me thy white hand, and tell me, either by word or by sign, that thou wilt be my queen and my bride. And the princess, like a right royal maiden as she was, looked him straight in the eyes, and giving him her little white hand, answered bravely, With all my heart. End of the Three Remarks